everybody, and welcome inside the What You Need to Know podcast. I am Tyson Ewing, play-by-play voice of Utah women's basketball. I'm joined by my radio analyst, Miley Enger. This is the What You Need to Know podcast that focuses on all things University of Utah women's basketball. We'll take an in-depth look at what's going on in the program. So we have taken a bit of a sabbatical as the season is starting to ramp up. The reason we did that is just simply because things got a little bit busy. Um, But we are going to try to ramp this podcast back up as we get going with the regular season. What the plan is for now, Miley, is to hopefully after every game discuss it briefly and maybe even share some highlights or even uh, post full games on the podcast. So we'll kind of cross that bridge once we come to it. But what we do know now is that we are very close to the start of the 2022-2023 season. Miley, how are you feeling over there? Tyson, I am super excited for this season, especially with Utah coming off the season that they just had. I feel like this offseason went by extremely fast, and I can't believe that this new season's already upon us and that the first exhibition game is next week. It is next week. The 27th of October will be the first exhibition game for this University of Utah women's basketball team. They'll welcome in Northwest Nazarene. It will be the future Scholars Day game, which means... It's going to be very loud inside that arena as there will be about 4,000 screaming kids in the building um, to make quite the noise. Excited for that, as I'm sure everybody is. Tip-off for that game is 11 o'clock local time here in Salt Lake City. All right, Miley, let's jump right into this as we inch closer and closer to tip-off. Let's kind of recap what we did over the summer and how we were able to introduce ourselves to a lot of players or reintroduce ourselves to a lot of players. How was that for you as we had the opportunity to um, to interview, I believe it was eight players, um, kind of get to know them better and um, kind of prepare us for the season for what they're about to embark on? I enjoyed getting to talk to the players that we did just because I jumped into this last year during the middle of the season. So I didn't get to know the players on a personal level. It was only I saw them at games, I saw them at shoot-arounds sometimes, and didn't get to really interact with them or talk to them. So it was cool to kind of talk with them, get to know them more personally, things that they like, things they don't like, how they like Utah, kind of why they chose this program. So like you said at the beginning, those interviews will just help us end our broadcasts throughout the season as we're able to kind of talk about things that we learn from the players outside of basketball. Now, just so that you are all aware, Miley will be joining me throughout the entire season, as and it will be basically every single home game, as well as later on in the season, we'll kind of figure out if you're able to go to some road games. But Miley will be with me all season long. Miley really enjoyed having you on the broadcast throughout the season. It was a lot of fun to kind of get some in-depth analysis from you as a former D1 player, and so that analysis will be returning coming up next season. I'm super excited about that. Um, I just wanted to make sure that you all knew as well that Miley will be making a return. I do want to make mention before we kind of move on to the meat of what I wanted to, of what I really want to discuss, which is the players and the upcoming schedule. I do want to make mention that you can log on to utahtickets.com slash WBB and get your season tickets today. Uh, they're really inexpensive. $25 a ticket, and that covers all games, including non-conference and conference play, a steal of a deal for the team that comes off a Pac-12 championship appearance a season ago and they return a lot of their key cogs. Like I said, log on to utahtickets.com slash WBB and get those season tickets today. $25 for general admission. 
Super, super good deal. Miley, I would do that. $25, that's an absolute steal. I do think it's a steal to watch this team, especially, like you said, they're coming off of a Pac-12 championship appearance. I thought it was interesting as we talked to different people as the season was ending, or even tweets that we saw on Twitter, fans were tweeting and pleading with people to come out to these games because the style that Utah plays now, the style that they implemented last season, is a fun style to watch. If you like offense, if you like threes, this is the team for you to come and watch. All right, so let's dive in now to the schedule as we move right along. Now, the schedule has been fully released along with game times. That is the entire schedule, non-conference and conference play. Conference play is a little bit different this year as we will play Colorado kind of in the middle of December. That's one big change to the schedule to look out for. But just so that you all are aware, two exhibition games for Utah this season, which is new for me at least, as they'll be able to play two practice games. The first one, October 27th at 11 a.m. against Northwest Nazarene. Again, that's the Future Scholars Day game, so 11 o'clock a.m. tip-off. That's the game that a lot of the elementary kids go to, so we'll be loud in that arena. And then again on November 1st, that's a Tuesday at 7 o'clock p.m., Utah and an exhibition will take on Crosstown rival Westminster just down the road. So you can come and enjoy those games. Again, those games will not be broadcasted, so you'll have to go to the Huntsman Center to be able to enjoy those games. Now, the regular season begins on November 7th. That is a Monday. That is a doubleheader with the men's team. I'm sure that marketing is going to come up with a really cool idea um, if you don't have your season tickets already um, to allow you to um, to go to both of those games. But tip-off for the women's game is at 5.30 against Idaho. And that is a red out, so make sure to wear your red. Should be a lot of fun. That first game of the year, they will have two exhibition games. But Miley, nothing can compare to the opening of the actual regular season, right? Yeah, of course you're excited as a player to start playing. So you have those exhibition games, kind of get some reps in. Coaches are able to see rotations that can fit together against another team or or another opponent without having the repercussions of that counting against your record or even your season stats. So November 7th, when Utah plays Idaho up at the Huntsman, that'll be the first game that actually counts towards their season record, their season stats. It's the whole thing. So as a player, that's the day that you look forward to. And that game will be live streamed as well it was as, as well as on the radio. Miley and myself will be on the call for that game. 5.30 tip-off, 5.15 pregame. And you can catch that over on ESPN 700 or over at utahutes.com. Now, for the full schedule, you can log on to utahutes.com. Check out the entire schedule. What I want to do really quick, Miley, is talk about some big games that are upcoming for Utah on this uh, on this schedule. The first big game that sticks out, a date, a rematch, I should say, with the Oklahoma Sooners on November 16th, the Wednesday night game. That is going to be a very important game for Utah as they kind of let that one a season ago slip right through their hands, holding on to a big lead in the fourth quarter, letting it slip away due to Oklahoma applying a lot of pressure in the full court. Utah did fall at the hands of Oklahoma a season ago, so this will be an opportunity for them to have a bit of revenge. Utah going into that fourth quarter against Oklahoma led 62-51, to but they ended up falling 83-76 to after they were outscored 14-32 to in that fourth quarter. So they led the entire game, but due to Oklahoma's pressure and forcing Utah into 23 turnovers that game, 
they suffered a loss. So games like that, you always you always want back. So it's nice when you schedule a game or a series like this where you get a home and home. So Utah had to play there last year. Oklahoma's coming out west this year, and hopefully Utah will get their revenge game. Following that game against Oklahoma, that Friday, Utah will fly out to the Bahamas as they will take on Alabama and Ole Miss in the Bahamar Hoops Pink Flamingo Championship. Those games will be on November 21st. That's a Monday. Um, Tip-off for that game, 12.30 p.m., and then on November 23rd, that is a Wednesday, a night game, 5 o'clock p.m. local time. That will be a lot of fun as Utah will be, like I said, they will be traveling to the Bahamas, Nassau, Bahamas. Um, That's where they'll be spending the week before Thanksgiving, um, and they'll be able to play a couple of SEC foes, both pretty darn good teams, um, Alabama and Ole Miss. And talking to Lynn this past week, she said this preseason schedule, they scheduled up. Last year, me personally, I was kind of wearisome of the level of competition they scheduled, of them going into a hard Pac-12 play, but this year they put some a couple more tough teams on their schedule. We already talked about Oklahoma, and then now we have Alabama and Ole Miss, which will be three games in a row. Alabama made it to the quarterfinals of the WNIT last year, and then they fell to South Dakota State, who eventually won the whole WNIT tournament. And then Ole Miss, on the other hand, made it to the NCAA tournament, but lost in the first round as they were upset to the number 10 seed South Dakota. So these are two potential NCAA tournament teams that Utah will play back-to-back. Following that uh, little tournament, what they'll do is they'll be able to participate in a Pac-12 SWAC Legacy Series game, and that is basically what that is, is an opportunity for Utah to play um, an historically black college. Utah will be traveling to Itabena, Mississippi to take on Mississippi Valley State. Should be a lot of fun as Utah, um, as, as far as I'm aware, be traveling into Memphis, take a two and a half hour bus ride into uh, Itabena, Mississippi um, for a matchup with Mississippi Valley State. That game can be heard on ESPN 700. Oh, I, I think only myself will be on that call um, for that game. 4.30 p.m. local time tip-off for that one again, December 1st. So that'll be a pretty fun way to welcome in December a Utah matchup with Mississippi Valley State. Following the Mississippi Valley State game, Utah will travel down south to BYU. This is kind of cool because Utah almost has every other Utah school on their schedule this year. They play Westminster in an exhibition game in Utah Valley earlier in their season. Then they have BYU and then they also have SUU and Weber State scheduled as well. But this BYU game will be interesting because for the first time in a very long time, BYU will be led by a new coach. That is a very good point as well. As long as some key as as well as some key players leaving the program from last year too. Shaylee Gonzalez being a key name that left the program. I mean, you also have to make mention of the Utah killer and Paisley Harding. Those two players will be gone. They still do bring some really good players. Lauren Gustin will be a part of that team as well. But they are going through, like you mentioned, they are going through a little bit of a rebuild phase as they welcome in a new head coach. Amber Whiting is it will end the, uh, I mean, crazy to think just how long Coach Judkins was running the BYU program, and they're going to a new era. So um, that game, like you said, will be very, very interesting. I'm, excited. I'm really excited for that one as it will be in Provo this year, so we'll have an opportunity to call a game back in Provo. We've done that before. 
another story for another time. But what we do following that one is where things get a little bit strange, a little bit different, not strange, but different from, um, from previous years. Following the BYU game, four days later, Utah will open up conference play as they will welcome in the Colorado Buffaloes into the Huntsman Center for a midday game, a 3 o'clock afternoon midday, uh, midday game against Colorado. Like I said, a little bit different from years past as uh, the Utes will welcome in Colorado early on in the schedule. What it does, though, Miley, is it gives Utah a little bit of that break because what they've been so accustomed to is playing Colorado on a Friday and then turning up and then turning around and playing Colorado again on a Sunday. So one, so obviously travel is taking place instantly, and it's in and, and this allows those teams to be able to have a little bit of an extra break during the actual you know meat of the conference schedule. When you saw this um, game kind of coming out, what was your first initial thought of playing Colorado, playing that Rocky Mountain foe so early on in the season? It is untraditional for a conference game to be placed so early in the season, but I do think it'll be interesting that Utah will get a Pac-12 opponent out of the way before the bulk of the rest of the Pac-12 opponents come. So they'll be able to knock out Colorado, and then they'll have three more preseason games before they get in to the gauntlet of their entire regular season conference schedule and that regular season conference schedule will begin on december 30th that's a friday night at 5 p.m local time at washington state which means it's a four o'clock tip-off time in pullman so the utes will take on the washington state cougars followed by a date with the huskies on january 1st to ring in the 2023 new year one o'clock mountain time tip-off for that one and their this this is their longest road trip of the season as they will take on Colorado at Colorado that following Friday before they have a week's break, um, before they then go home, home, away, away, and that's kind of the, the way that the schedule plays out the rest of the year. When you look at the first four conference games and the, the two Colorado games and the Washington-Washington State game, what game are you looking forward to most of those first four? Well, they, we, we didn't get much of an opportunity to see Utah play against Washington, plus they have a lot of new talent coming into the Huskies, a, a, a top 10 recruit in the country, as well as Delea Daniels from Cal. I'm really interested to just kind of see you know what their coaching staff up in Washington has done in the offseason with that Huskies team, plus not, nothing beats Seattle, especially New Year's in Seattle. It's going to be really great to be able to go up to Seattle and see uh, that game be played out. As I look at the schedule, these were, th these were games that were all winnable for Utah a season ago. And in fact, Washington State beat them twice. Once in the regular season, also once in the Pac-12 tournament. They beat Washington. They split the Colorado games. And they beat Arizona State last year, too. So their first four games, you'd look at their schedule and be like, well, okay, these are all winnable games. And the one thing I like about that, Utah being able to have that, you know, quote, winnable schedule to start conference play gives them so much momentum. Obviously, they first have to go in and take care of business. But if they are able to take care of business against those teams, it gives them so much momentum as they carry through throughout the rest of the Pac-12 play. I also am a fan of having the potential you look at the quote winnable game starting out four five and zero to start the season last year, Utah started out one and four. So when you see a one and four, I think that's a lot to overcome. And I mean Utah did overcome it. They had a winning season last year, but you got to take that game by game. And it's hard to get over that hump to get back to 500 and then eventually get over that 500 record. So for Utah to potentially start the season on a four or five game winning streak. 
I think that they will have a lot of confidence going into the rest of the games and getting into the middle of their season. Now let's be clear, Miley and I are obviously saying that they have the potential of doing so. We're not sitting here and saying, hey, they're going to win these first four or five games and start the conference schedule 4-0 or 5-0. They just have that ability, they have the opportunity uh, of doing so. Uh, now obviously when you have teams like Oregon and Arizona and Stanford, who Utah will play Stanford twice throughout the year, they will play Oregon just once and they will play... Uh, Arizona twice on the conference schedule this year. Those are three teams that are towards the top of the Pac-12, it seems, year in and year out. And so those games will be ones to watch out for as well. Utah will host the Arizona Wildcats on January 15th. That's a Sunday game at 12 o'clock. They'll then turn around and travel to Stanford to take on the defending Pac-12 champion Stanford Cardinal on, just, uh, on the 20th at 7 p.m. Um, and so that's kind of where Utah will have that tough, that tough little stretch of some potentially really difficult games. But again, we're in the Pac-12 conference. This is a conference that never quits. It's, it's, it's one of those conferences that always seems to have one of the most amount of teams appear in the NCAA tournament. Um, and so expect that same exact thing this year with teams like UCLA getting better. I mean, really interested to see how Oregon State's going to be doing as well with a lot of recruits coming in. But still, the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 conference, and that means they are a very, very good conference. And we should still re still remember that Utah comes off its very first ever winning record against the Pac-12 conference foes from a season ago. Um, so still a lot of work to be done. But, you know, Utah does have that potential of being a very, very, very good team. Now, obviously, as we look at the entirety of the Pac-12 conference, when asked to kind of rank these teams, Miley, I put Utah fourth because I think they have a lot of potential coming off a very good season and that Pac-12 title game appearance as well as two games in, in the NCAA tournament a year ago. I do think it's hard ranking teams based for preseason because we have yet to see any team play. They have new recruits coming in. They have new transfers coming in and transfers that have gone out to other schools. So when we're talking about rankings and where people have landed in preseason rankings and where, we're, where we think people are going to land in who we think Utah can beat. These are just complete guesses because, again, we have yet to see any teams play. I do think Utah has the potential to land in that, that top third of the conference. They, they proved last season that they can compete with the best of the best. They, they can compete with the Oregons. We saw them hang in with Stanford for three quarters until the fourth quarter in the Pac-12 championship game came around. We saw Utah get their first win over UCLA since 2001. So we see all this potential that Utah has and the buildup that they have. And then they return almost all their players, which I think is exciting. And we added some new players as well, which I think will be key additions and, and just elevate Utah even more. So when we talk about the Pac-12 rankings, Tyson, what other three teams do you think will be in that top third? All right, so um, Stanford would be at the at the top. Stanford is welcoming in uh, the top recruit in the entire country coming in next year, as well as uh, they also have two of the best potential WNBA recruits on their roster already. So you'd be uh, foolish if you did not think Stanford was the favorite coming into the season next year. Um, I do think Oregon, though they did lose a lot of players um, following, well, I can't remember what they called them, the Fab Five. 
four of the Fab Five have left the program, but it is Oregon, it is Kelly Graves, and he does a great job of recruiting, and they're going to be able to retool. Arizona's obviously going to be up there as well. Um, Coach Adia Barnes does a great job, whether it's through uh, freshmen or um, what I've been most impressed with for her is being able to bring transfers in that make immediate impacts, and she's got that again on her roster this year. And then the team that I think is a uh, is not really a surprise, but a team I think is going to make a lot more noise than they did a year ago is UCLA. I think UCLA has one of the top prospects in the entire country in Kiki Rice coming to the program next year, as well as you know they're returning some really key players. Charisma Osborne being one of those key players that's going to return to the roster next year. She is a very talented player. I think UCLA is going to be right in that mix. Uh, and then I would say, obviously, Utah. I think those, those are the five teams that are going to be fighting for those four seeds to earn buys uh, for the Pac-12 tournament. I do think UCLA and Arizona are two of the teams in the conference that will be interesting to see how they change over from last season. Like you said, UCLA is having a ton of recruits come in, and they didn't perform to, quote, UCLA standards of last year. So with their new recruits and their returners, I think UCLA has high expectations this year. And then Arizona on the flip side, they lost a lot of players, but they added Jade Lavelle from Arizona State, who made the All-Pac-12 team last year and is going to be a great addition. So love or hate the transfer portal, it does keep everyone on their toes of how teams are going to be year in and year out. So UCLA did not make the NCAA tournament a season to go. What they did do, though, is they made it to the semifinals of the WNIT, where they lost to eventual champion South Dakota State in that semifinal. Uh, they did uh, lose their second-round matchup to Oregon as well in the uh, Pac-12 tournament. So a team, like you said, I like that you mentioned this, but a team that is that that kind of has to prove something a little bit from last year because it wasn't the UCLA-esque type season that they're used to having. And uh, that's why I think UCLA is going to be right back up there again. I mean, again, this is just you and I kind of chatting it out. We've yet to see these teams play. None of these teams have played yet. Uh, all we've been able to do is really to see a little bit of practice for Utah even so far. So we don't even know what Utah is going to look like other than kind of what we've been able to see through practice. So this is just our, you know, initial thoughts our preseason rankings of the uh, Pac-12 tournament, uh, of the Pac-12 teams. Speaking of not knowing exactly what Utah's going to do, I think it's key to point out their starting lineup because last year we had Drew start. She was a four-year starter at that point guard position, so now that she has transferred, that spot needs to be filled by somebody. With the returners that we, we have, it lands between Inesh and Izzy because those are kind of the two that came in for as backup to Drew last year. So we haven't been able to see practices. We haven't been able to see what the mix of that starting five has been so far, but that will be a key thing to look for as the season begins of who gets that starting spot for point guard. If you've listened to this podcast towards the very beginning of us rebooting this again, that was one of the questions that we had even starting it. I mean, the starting lineup's going to look a little bit different, obviously, because Drew is gone. Um, and then the main starter for Utah towards the end of the season was Kelsey Reese. Now, the question is, does Alyssa Peely step in and kind of make uh, take that starting role from Kelsey here in the early stages? Alyssa, obviously, a very proven scorer, very proven post player as well. So a lot can possibly change. If I'm looking at this roster from the practices, uh, from the practices that you and I have seen, we've seen a couple of practices, not very many, but from what I've seen, it does look as though Alyssa Peely is in great shape this year. Um, I've been told she's lost some weight as well to get her body into better shape. 
and she's looking great. Um, she's looking great around the rim. She has that soft touch. It looks like it could play a factor for Utah. Um, so I personally would think that uh, that Alyssa will be a, uh, a day one starter. And then as far as the starting point guard position goes, you know, because we have not seen very many of the practices yet, we don't necessarily know what's going on behind the scenes. This is just us kind of more or less discussing it. We'll know more following the exhibition game next Thursday. But um, from the offset, it kind of seems as though Izzy is playing extremely well in practices. Um, and right now, um, it would seem as though Izzy has a bit of a slight edge as a starting point guard. But honestly, you can't go wrong with either one, especially with the other four players that are going to be in for Utah. And that includes Gianna Neepkins, that includes Jenna Johnson, and that also includes Kennedy McQueen. So you have three proven starters already on the roster. You, uh, if Alyssa does end up starting, then that point guard position can be interchangeable because Izzy and Enesh both showed great flashes last year in that point guard position. But we'll see how it goes. We're still about um, a week away from being able to truly see what that what they're going to roll out with for day one starters. As we mentioned, the five position, who's going to start, I do think this shows the depth that Utah has at that position. Last year, we saw Utah typically just play that one post. So we had Peyton play, and Kelsey was kind of that backup, and then Peyton got hurt, and Kelsey kind of stepped in. And then it was Kelsey by the end of the season. It was basically just Kelsey playing. So now that we'll have Alyssa and Kelsey and Peyton towards the start of the conference season after she rehabs her knee from her ACL injury. We'll have three posts who have plenty of experience. I think it will allow us to also have a bigger lineup if we need be to play two of those at the same time. So when we do play the Oregon team, who last year would play Niera Sobley and Sedona Prince, it was hard to match up with those girls because we had one post. So now we have the ability to play two posts at a time if we need to. And one thing that really stuck out to me as we watched practice, Miley, is I'm pretty sure I turned to you and I said, this team's deep. They really are deep. Like we talked about the post, but I mean, you got Deja Young, who's going to be coming off the bench, who is phenomenal. Like we love Deja's game. She's that Swiss Army type player that you can put her in at any position and she's going to be able you know, to do what the coaching staff asks of her. With the additions of the five spot, Deja will now be able to play that wing spot and she'll be able to extend the floor out. We saw Deja shoot the lights out last season after she kind of got in her rhythm. So if she was able to play on that wing a little more, I think she'll be able to get more threes up and really expand the court for the team. You already made mention of the post depth that Utah has. Um, the guard depth as well is going to be really interesting. Izzy and Enesh, we just talked about that a little bit ago, how they're, how they're likely going to split that point guard position. And then we haven't even made mention yet, Miley, of the, of the upcoming freshmen that are coming in, a, a pretty good class that comes in, Anaya Ojuku, Taya Sidberry, and Lonnie White. Watching the new freshmen in practice, I think and we think that they all have a ton of potential. They are all extremely athletic. Naya is still rehabbing from her senior year injury in high school and kind of getting back into the swing and getting reps in. But I do think that all three of these ladies have a ton of potential and fun to see the growth of the freshmen throughout the season. So now that we were able to see them in some of the early practices, how game by game it'll start clicking in their heads what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be on the court and how their skill set can help the team. Now you did make mention it does appear as though 
Peyton McFarland is making a very good recovery. Um, her timeline roughly is about December time or so, I believe, um, but don't quote me on that. Either way, she's definitely working towards making a return this season and making, and making an immediate impact as well. I think that covers really the entire lineup that we've gone through so far. And so head coach Lynn Roberts is going to be entering into her eighth season. Obviously, during the offseason, she re-upped a contract through the 2027 season. So Utah is going to have the services of head coach Lynn Roberts for quite some time still. And with this addition of the offense from last year, you got to be super excited as a Utah fan um, for that. I do want to make mention as well that it was announced on October 19th that um, Utah's own Gianna Neatkins was named to the Cheryl Miller watch list, which is the best small forward in the country at the end of the year. Miley, she's just one of 20 small forwards in the nation as a sophomore, mind you, to be named to this list. I think it's very deserving of Gianna to be on this list, especially with the season that she had last year. We always say that last season was a very even season for Utah and that we just weren't dependent on that one person, but when it came down to it, Gianna was always there to get us a bucket. Gianna was the one who made the all-tournament team along with Jenna, so I think Gianna's very deserving of this award, and we'll see as the season goes on and the list gets smaller if she stays on that watch list. What's scary, Miley, is like we just mentioned, she is just a sophomore, and she was already able to be that kind of go-to team player as a freshman. She had this offseason to work and to get better and to get better. Really excited to see what Gianna can do, especially after being named to the Cheryl Miller watch list for the 2022-2023 season. A reminder, you can go get your general admission season tickets right now by logging on to utahtickets.com WBB. Make sure to go and do that as this is a very, very fun team to watch. A quick reminder that we will try and get an episode out to you after every game. Following every game, we'll go in depth about what happened during the game, as well as maybe provide you with some sounds and some highlights from the game as well. So please make sure to tune in for each and every single episode. Thank you so very much for tuning in. For Miley Enger, I am Tyson Ewing. This is the What You Need to Know podcast.